hero. <laughs> I'm holding out for a hero to the end of the night. He's got to be strong and he's got to be accused of not returning money to a loan shark. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm Wilson Lai. I'm Benjamin Yao. I'm Eli Sands. You are. You're oh, listening. To <laughs> not my line. Eli. <laughs> you have never said this line. <laughs> I'm not a hero. You're listening to Deep Cut. deep cut from the future popping in we recorded the rest of this episode a couple of weeks ago and then a little something happened that we feel we should discuss here before publishing this episode yes wilson <laughs> it's on me what did you do <laughs> oh yeah okay march 23rd 2022 which is a lot lo- earlier this week year of our lord <laughs> year of our lord Hollywood Reporter breaks this story, at least in English-speaking publications. The title of the article, written by Scott Roxborough, is Did Oscar winner Asghar Farhadi Steal the Idea for a Hero? In the article, it alleges that a former film student of his, this woman named Azadeh Masizadeh, accuses the Iranian auteur for pilfering her premise for his recent international feature shortlisted drama, A Hero. And this is an allegation that he rejects and she has sued him for plagiarism and defaming the subject of her documentary, which I guess both parties agree that Amir Jadidi's character in A Hero is based upon. And he is also countersuing her for defaming Farhadi himself. If she is found guilty of defaming him and he is found innocent. She is risking jail time and also 74 lashes, which as a outcome of a film that is critical of the Iranian justice system, it is very interesting to say the least. I watched Azadeh Masizadeh's documentary film All Winners All Losers which she made in 2015 and she made this in a documentary workshop that was taught by Asghar Farhadi. The film is about a Mr. Shokri. It's a documentary about him uh, who was a debtor's prisoner who found a bag with gold in it during one of the leaves of his. He gets this leave from debtor's prisons that he is in because he works as a painter for the prison and for the other governmental offices in the area. And he gets this leave in order to complete jobs and also as like sort of some form of payment. And he decides to return this bag of gold and he was lauded by the public for his good deed. If you told me a student made this documentary, I would not believe you. This is a very, very well-made documentary. And you can tell that Masi Zade really puts in the effort to get to the bottom of this story. And I think she does a really, really good job. A few years later, I guess probably at the start of production for this film, Masizade is called to meet with Farhadi and he makes her sign a document. 
And the document states that the original idea for her documentary, All Winners, All Losers, which she sought out herself, was Farhadi's. And she also had to sign over all the rights to the story for him. Her, being a young up-and-coming filmmaker, asked by this prestigious, internationally acclaimed director to sign this document, felt pressured to do so and signed it. Last year, Farhadi comes out with A Hero, which basically in its plot is extremely similar to All Winners, All Losers and the story of Mr. Shokri. And there is no mention of Masizade in any of the credits. And and thus she she sued him. I think this is just really hard to talk about because we covered Farhadi last year and he was like a new director I hadn't seen any movies from and I really fell in love with the way that he tells his stories and the types of extremely complex plots that he constructs and character situations. But this doesn't excuse being an absolute dick to someone else. Like, I don't think that being a good director can help the fact that you really fucked over someone else. For me, in my opinion, it's pretty obvious that he intentionally screwed this woman over. I don't think there's any way to to not say that. And it's disheartening. It's angering in some ways that he really took advantage of her using his power. And I don't know. I, I really hope that she gets something out of this. Sorry, I've laid this out for you guys, and you haven't said anything. <laughs> I, I would love to hear your thoughts. I've seen the first 10 minutes of Doc when I had some time, and it, it's pretty damning, like, the, <laughs> the similarities yeah. <laughs> in details of the plot. I'm just like, eh. And the irony is the thing that he makes her do, which is sign the paper, which is currently submitted as evidence. I'm not sure from which party. It's submitted from his side because he wants to say that, I don't know, it's not my fault. So that document damns him more than it saves him. Of course. That it exists. Of course. Because the way the timeline works makes no sense for it to defend him. Looking at this very logical point of view, but like, it feels like Masizade's story is much more believable right now. I want to say the jury's out on this, but also Farhardi's films have taught me that I don't know whether I should trust the outcome of the Reign of Justice. Yes. <laughs> so that's the biggest irony of this entire situation, where it's like, how do you build your career on criticizing the justice system and then use it to defend yourself in such a way, you know? Yeah, and to harm someone else Yeah. As well. Well, little old me, I'm going through a big crisis of cinephilia right now because <laughs> as I've said so many times on the mic, on record, <laughs> permanent, <laughs> Farhadi is my guy. <laughs> a separation is a tip-top Eli favorite. I'm so sorry, Eli. <laughs> I want to be transparent and say that when Wilson told me this in private message and publicly on Twitter and Letterboxd, I felt a little bit mad at you, Wilson, and I caught myself. I'm sorry, Eli. <laughs> no, it's nothing to apologize for because that's exactly how it happens. Mm. When we uphold the art that we love over the ethics of how that art is made, and particularly in the case of a powerful man using his status to gain professional advantage over a woman who does not have that status, 
that's wrong. And you're talking about Iran as well. You're not you're not talking about the West. The access that Masizade has to basically anything, I think it is much harder for her to make a case or take a stand against someone like Farhadi. Like you can even see it in the way that she makes her documentary. It is a challenge for her to even like get filming in the first place. She risks a lot right now and it's a distressing situation. I'm unhappy about it. <laughs> you know, we've still decided to publish this episode because we can still engage with the content and craft of a hero. It comes with a huge caveat. Yes. That's why we're recording this little addendum. One thing to leave you guys off on before we dive into the episode is that if you have seen A Hero and you are a fan of that film, I would highly suggest that you check out All Winners, All Losers. Mm -hmm. And we will link the YouTube link in the description of the episode. Also, All Winners, All Losers is a better title. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great doc. It is a, honestly, it's a very, very engaging doc. With that, Back to the episode. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this aside. And we hope that you, I guess, enjoy. Enjoy her conversation anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. I don't know. <laughs> Back to the past. See what I did there? Oh. Nice. <laughs> Back to the future. On Deep Kite, we compare a director's most popular film with a personal favorite chosen by one of us. We also discuss the director's life and career to bring in context that helps us view their movies as they may want us to. Oscar Farhadi, one of my favorite directors and my favorite screenwriter, returned last year with the Oscar-nominated A Hero, which is his latest realist tragedy about Rahim, a man in debtor's prison whose girlfriend, Farconde, finds a lost bag of gold coins. Rather than use the coins to pay off his debt, Rahim decides to return the coins. This story inspires the debtor's prison wardens, local news, and charities to all laud and champion Rahim for his deed. But in typical Farhadi fashion, things deteriorate in ways that bring out Rahim's worst qualities, chief among them his naivete about the ways in which he's being used by the powerful people around him. A Hero is coming three years after Farhadi's previous movie, Everybody Knows, which was his second movie to be filmed outside of Iran, and his first without any Iranian characters. As Wilson has said, A Hero is a sort of return not just to Iran, but a return to form for Farhadi. So today we're going to dig into if and why that is. And if you ask me, it might not be. Fellas, how do you like this hero? I have to come clean. I have to say some some truths at the start of this episode. I want to apologize. When I said that a hero is a return to form, this is me saying this as a hero being the third Farhadi movie I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) And the two others being the two others we've covered for this podcast. So I don't really feel like I have a right to say that this is a return to form. You're not qualified. (laughs) Disqualified. (laughs) I would like to clear that up. I know I have said it multiple times in a written letterbox review and also our urine review episode. (laughs) We got them on tape. (laughs) You got me on multiple tapes saying just lies. (laughs) But... But this is still a very, very good movie, in my opinion, and really close to the highs that I felt watching A Separation for the first time. Mm. I saw a hero 
a couple months ago and rewatched it for the episode tonight. It is very, very intricate. I, I would say even more intricate than a separation. Mm. I think the central performance that Amir Jadidi gives as Rahim is one of the reasons why this movie is so compelling to watch. Like a lot of Farhadi's movies are about your own relationship with the main character and whether or not you believe what they're doing is just or is right and your relationship and your connection with that. And Farhadi loves playing with that and loves putting his audiences in this uneasy state for so much of the movie and continually tries to complicate things. Not only with our perception with but with the character, but also the people around him or them's perception of them. And I think a hero's no exception to this. I think the way that this story unravels is very interesting. And I think there's a, a lot of different players in this movie that are all important to Rahim and his central goal of getting out of prison and you sort of see everyone sway, how they sway, how the public sways, how the charity sways, how the prison wardens sway, affect how Rahim carries himself. And I think that is the most interesting thing about this movie, because it's not only that his smile is so compelling, it is the contrast between when he is so joyous in a scene versus when he is physically assaulting someone because they're not granting him what he wants mm -hmm. yeah it's it's so complicated and i think on a second watch i think uh, knowing what happens at the end and my uh, my relationship with raheem is I, I question things more at the beginning because he sort of goes on a sort of winning streak at the beginning and i i, I tended to to question him a little more on this watch yeah sorry i've been rambling for so long but I, I at the end of the day i really really like this movie and out of all four of the director deep cut upkeeps, this is probably my top one this year. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> I think A Hero is great. I think it's hard to, to top the high of a separation, for sure. But it definitely feels like so-called classic Fahardi in terms of like trying to create a kind of moral conundrum where your sympathies with the characters are constantly in flux. As you said, Wilson, sometimes feel for them and are drawn in by the smile of Armin Jadidi, which is fantastic. And then also when he pushes you away and you feel like maybe there's something a little bit more sinister ticking under the hood there that you never really know. And I think that's the part of this that I think is most interesting where, yes, there's these elements of the institutions using Rahim, but it's also Rahim possibly using the institutions as well. But it's extremely unclear how innocent he is when he does this. Yeah. Whether he does these things knowingly or not, or whether he's swept by the social currents. And I think that's where the film is most interesting. In my Little Box review, I talked about how I felt like this was, for some reason, the most comedic of Bahadi's films. <laughs> There's something cruelly funny about Rahim's journey in this. There's a kind mm. of Sisyphean vibe to this whole story, which I find quite funny. I'm Googling it right now. <laughs> you just Google the myth of Sisyphus. It's about the guy that pushes a rock up a, a hill. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to no avail. That's the story. Right. I was kind of vibing with it in that sense of like looking at it sort of as a comedy of errors, even though mm. it's not necessarily funny. Mm. Right. Ben, you mentioned this take on a hero as a comedy in our 2021 in review episode. Mm-hmm. That framed my viewing in a really interesting way. Oh. 
Whoops. <laughs> not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. Yeah. Because I was able to really see how things go perfectly wrong. Mm -hmm. Like anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily feel <laughs> that it's maybe as much of a comedy, <laughs> but I do feel that it is definitely on the melodrama side. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think it's possible to divide Farhadi's movies into two categories. One is the moral drama in which characters' motivations are in direct contrast and you're not really sure how to feel about characters at the end of the day. And that makes rewatching them just as tense and bifurcated an experience as the first time you view the movie. So these are things like A Separation, The Salesman, I would argue Fireworks Wednesday. These are also my favorite of the Farhadi movies. And then there are Farhadi movies that really are more about the melodrama and things just going wrong mm -hmm. and you feeling bad at the end of the movie. These are also great movies, but they're ones like about Ellie, the past, everybody knows, and now a hero. Mm -hmm. Case in point, I think about this. A version of a hero that would be more like the moral dramas would focus on the relationship between Rahim and his creditor, Bahram, who mm -hmm. resents him for not paying him back after he has sold his daughter's dowry and his wife's jewelry and most of what he owns in order to keep Rahim from succumbing to loan sharks and is mad at the way that Rahim has painted him publicly as mm -hmm. a vengeful, spiteful creditor. Right. He has some legitimacy to his claim, even though he does act cruelly. Rahim also right. has legitimacy to his claim against Bahram, even though he acts cruelly. The movie has climactic moments out of the confrontations between Rahim and Bahram. These are the scenes that interest me the most, and I wish there were more of. The movie chooses to make its ultimate climactic moments out of the sadness and depressing moments of how Rahim's son gets caught up in this and the prison warden tries to film a video that he will post online of mm -hmm. Rahim's son crying and begging for help, which Rahim realizes is wrong and tries to stop the video from going out there. Mm -hmm. It's the moment of the biggest emotion, but it doesn't carry the most thematic or idea weight Mm. as compared to those scenes with Bahram, yeah. if you ask me, which is when Bahram really lays out on the table, you're being a stooge for everyone who wants to, as Bahram puts it, paint Iran as a paradise. Right. So it's very, very good for Hadi to me. It is not quite the top tier mm. that I love about A Separation, The Salesman, and Fireworks Wednesday. Right. He's doing a lot of very different things in this, I think. Mm -hmm. That's true. When we were talking about Farhadi previously, we talk about obstruction, right? Like, we talk about what he's keeping from us. And a lot of the important parts of this story, like the finding of the bag or the reason that Raheem's in jail, all of that is prior to the events of this film. We start when Raheem gets his leave from jail. Yes. We don't even know that he's leaving jail at the start. That is not information that is relayed to us at the beginning. We are already starting this movie. Farhadi is tilting us in favor of Rahim. That sort of unraveling is is quite interesting to me. And I, I think what you were saying earlier, Eli, about like the emotionally climatic scene where Rahim stops the prison warden from 
leaving with the video of his son pleading to to help his case. And when watching it a second time, I thought it was very, very interesting because that was one of two physical altercations that Rahim gets himself into. Yes. The first of which being in the mall with Bahram, where he sort of forcibly enters his store after being asked to leave and they get into a fight. I think that was a very interesting placing, right? Because on one hand, you have physical violence that is initiated by Rahim that can be seen as less appropriate for the moment. And then one later on that feels a lot more appropriate for the moment. I think it was very interesting to see those two play out and how we feel about Rahim at the end of those two physical altercations. Hmm. How do you feel about Rahim at the end of those two altercations? Well, I was saying earlier that I approached this watch with a, I guess, a less positive view of Rahim knowing what happened. So I think all the stuff with Bahram, I tend to see Rahim as sort of in the wrong mm -hmm. in this. So mm -hmm. that's why that first physical alteration, I'm like, dude, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that's not a good move. That's not helping your case at all. This is not a good look, King. That's not a good look, King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, for me, directly contrasts my reaction to the second one, which was that I think that he should have stood up with it for his son, and I think that was a good thing that he did. And it sort of marked the end of him saying yes to people doing things for him or doing things trying to be in his best interest but ending up not being in his best interest hmm. because there is a cycle of him letting people run with things for him and things not working out in his way mm. multiple times in this movie with multiple different organizations it's very so intricately plotted that even though it's like as Eli said is not really that much of a um, questioning their morality or not really a conundrum in a sense yes yeah it's not really a conundrum but i think the way that farhadi complicates it is still very very interesting yeah i agree yeah yeah with the scenarios a separation is a conundrum that has no solution i think yes mm -hmm. there's no moral solution to a separation which is why it's so good and so interesting to kind of turn over in your head yes 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 the hero is a little bit more almost sarcastic in its title yeah mm -hmm. it already kind of through the titling of it is casting a little judgment on Raheem yeah but I do still think that Fahardi does a really good job of complicating this like you said Wilson where he does let you feel sympathy for Raheem and like understanding how he is navigating this and how he is not necessarily solely responsible for his actions, although he is obviously complicit in what is going on in his life. Mm -hmm. Right. Those flashes of heroism for his kid do feel like heroic acts, where he acts against what is yeah. being forced upon him in a sense. But who knows? This could have been influenced by all these other people telling him, oh, you're parading your mentally challenged son mm -hmm. in front of all these people to gain you sympathy votes, yeah. mm -hmm. which has been something that other people had told him pre prior to him stopping this guy's filming the video. And the charity speech, which happens earlier on in the film, where Rahim brings his son up to say a few words about his dad and he pledges his own money which sort of gets everyone to pledge their own money in support of Rahim that in my head is very fuzzy in terms of was this Rahim's decision to do this or was he on the spot and like didn't know what to do and brought his son up to stage to say this speech mm -hmm. 
I think if you look at the elements of the film, you could make a sort of objective, in quotes, moral judgment on Rahim and like the actions that he makes. But I think the way that he's characterized and the way that the story is told, Bahadi does a good job of like still having you empathize and sympathize with him. 100%. In a way that also casts some light on thinking about judgment and forgiveness, especially within the kind of Iranian courts which is mm. always extremely fascinating when right. Bahadi is bringing you through it because it is so different from the kind of justice system that we understand, like a more westernized idea of it. Yeah, and I think the way that he characterizes Bahram is also kind of a pretty hostile guy, even though he might have a justifiable reason for being that way against Rahim. He definitely comes across as an asshole. Yeah, there is something about him that also picks you off and like it's so easy to kind of side against him. A really interesting comparison, if you can find a way to watch this, is Beautiful City. Because Beautiful City is also about forgiveness. Farhadi's very hard to find second feature. Mm. Yes. Which I managed to catch at the Asian Film Archive in Singapore. When they were doing a little retrospective on Farhadi. And it's not especially insightful, but it's definitely treading on these themes of forgiveness and within the kind of justice system in Iran. I really love how this film looks as well. I think the um, widescreen or the scope handheld nature of it really feels like it's in motion so much of the movie. And I think that is sort of like in contrast with maybe the two other films that we watch. Um, I'm only basing my uh, Farhadi knowledge on those two films. (laughs) But this feels a lot more active. And I'm thinking a lot about that first scene where Rahim and his wife-to-be Farkunde reunite for the first time in the film and you have these really fast cuts of Farkande descending stairs very much like that in the mood for love scene without mm. the messy like going up and down but she she goes down and it's a succession of four shots where she like goes down the stairs so it, it doesn't feel like she's stopping it always feels like she's in motion and I think that the love that they have for each other is really like potent like you can feel this connection that they have is relayed so strongly just with those few cuts like with those few cuts you already know she's dying to get to him it's so clear and i really like these like i don't know farhadi's not really like a big stylist or is as extravagant or flamboyant with his use of style but i think these little moments that he's doing in this really shows that he's using these filmmaking techniques to his advantage in subtle ways. Yes. Maybe even more so than what happened in other films. Sorry, cut that out. In other Farhadi films? Yeah, cut that out. You have to watch. Cut that out. Cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great catch that he's using editing and form to convey their love in that moment, and particularly her conviction of their love. Because one of the aspects of this movie that I find to be a little bit convenient is her absolute loyalty to him she's maybe the one character where i wanted a little bit more depth yeah but knowing that as i was re-watching parts of the movie last night i did think about a question that came to me at the very end that i want to know your guys thoughts on the final scene of the movie is rahim arriving back to debtor's prison to re-enter perhaps for a very long time and he says goodbye to Farkonda and to his son. And we watch this play out from across the street on a telephoto lens. And we don't hear any dialogue of what they say. It's a fascinating choice. And the question that occurred to me on this viewing was, are Farkonda and Rahim still going to be together after all of this? Mm. I do not know. 
at first I thought, well, they don't hug, so that must mean they're at odds. And then I remembered, you're not allowed to show hugs in Iranian cinema right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think Farhadi is aware of that question popping up in the audience, and he's very purposefully being ambiguous about it. As with any ambiguous ending, the point is not to try to suss out what the actual result was. It's what's the point of making it ambiguous? What does that leave you with? Mm -hmm. What feeling and what idea does that leave you with? Mm -hmm. So what do you guys think of that ending? Ah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how I feel about that ending. It is. I don't either. First of all, he shaves his beard and gets a haircut, which I was like shocked for like maybe half of that scene. <laughs> Just trying to get my head around to the fact that he cut his hair. <laughs> But I just thought it was like a loving final embrace. I felt like she was going to wait for him Mm. because of the fact that she's dropping him off with his son. I mean, I didn't really read too much ambiguity into it, to be honest. Yeah. I think it's the fact that she's even there. Like, makes it feel like a sort of family unit Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah. Although I think a lot about that last shot. Yeah. That last shot is incredible. Uh, Rahim entering the prison incredible yep there's the guy exiting prison he's like leaving prison and he's so happy he goes out he meets his wife he gets a box of food or snacks he goes back in he offers it to the guards yep guards take some he offers it to Rahim who sort of refuses but then the guy says oh no bring it to for the guys inside and he said yes I will and he smiles his last smile basically it's so interesting considering that I don't know. There's so many things at play. It could be happening, right? But also considering the fact that the people inside the prison were probably the ones that were somewhat responsible for his downfall by sending the text that he sent to Baram a week before he supposedly found the the coins. The thing about that final shot that really stands out to me is the use of direct optical perspective. A very, very rare thing in a Farhadi movie mm-hmm. because he likes to stay on the outside. But here we watch the man leaving prison and reuniting with his wife from a shot that seems like it might be Rahim's perspective. But then in the very final shot, Rahim stands up and enters that shot, checks back into debtor's prison and then walks out of frame. And the movie lingers on this shot a little bit that used to be Rahim's perspective, and then it cuts to black. To me, this ties to what Ben was saying a moment ago about a reflection on judgment. We used to be inside Rahim's perspective, and now he walks out of it, Mm. and we don't necessarily want to embody his perspective or side with him anymore, just like the people in the movie. Wow. It makes me think about what Rahim must be feeling. He literally has changed his entire appearance probably out of shame Mm. and regret. There's a lot that Amir Jadidi can convey about what he's feeling underneath that smile, especially that final smile. (sighs) Oh, boy. When I think about the film, even though you can make a sort of absolute moral judgment on the actions of the people involved, I feel like the way that Rahim's actions are pitched, like how he becomes complicit in his own lines that don't necessarily come from him. Like he is being kind of shunted around that. I feel these things are very relatable. Yeah. Like sometimes you fall into these white lies because they are convenient for you and it feels like it wouldn't affect other people. Yeah. I can totally feel why you would kind of want to coast on these things that feel harmless. That's what clouds my 
moral judgment of Rahim. That I feel like, damn, but if I was in his position, I might take up these things that seem like an easy way out. I can understand why you would do that. And also he was taken advantage of by own sharks mm-hmm. and by the whole system of debtor's prison. Yeah. That is not just exclusive to Iran. Mm-hmm. That's the power of a Farhadi movie is that it creates empathy by asking you to consider, would you make these choices if you were in this position? Right. I think that's why this one feels like it's on the line for me. Like it feels like an almost a moral conundrum, even though it's not like that kind of impossible situation that the separation is, it still feels like a little conundrum because it right. puts you in that mind space that you just described, Eli, where you have to kind of contend with how you would react in that situation. And yeah. Yeah. I think that takes that box for me in a Fahadi film for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite, but it's definitely a good one. Yeah, right. Because it's not like a single choice, right? It's not like a single action, right? It's a series of small little things that really add up and they snowball mm. and they really get out of control. Yeah. And like the, the things that he can't control, like the woman disappearing and being uncontactable, like these things that don't help him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe thinking back, I think Amir Jadidi might be my favorite performance of last Wow. Wow, really? I think it is really good. It's a strong case. I think it's a really strong case. I agree. Because I think his performance is a big part of why this movie really works for me. It could be anybody else. Like, it could have even been that guy in a separation, and I don't think it could have worked. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's just not his character. It's not him. I I think he has that look. Yeah. Amir Jadidi's look is just so innocent that you think he's innocent. Yeah. But he's not. <laughs> he really just has that face that works for mm. him. But it's not just the face, right? It's a, it's a performance. I mean, yeah, I know. But mm. but I, honestly, I think it really stems from the face and the, that mm-hmm. smile. That smile. That smile. Casting can be about the superficial. <laughs> it's nice to see Serena Farhadi. Again, yes. <laughs> in this again. She's really great. Yeah. Yes. In a way, if Farconda is the perfectly loyal character then Serena Farhadi's Nazanin is perfectly against Rahim. Right. Ultimately, that side of it (laughs) winds up being more powerful. Another really important moment of editing with Nazanin is that as Rahim goes to confront Bahram about sending the text to his potential employer and ruining his job prospects, Farhadi cuts to his daughter to show her reaction to this argument that's going above her head. But she knows, and we know because of this cut, that she is the one who sent that text. Mm. A really interesting choice that lets us in on another character's subjectivity and gives us information that we wouldn't otherwise be privy to. Yeah. The kids, the kids are always so powerful in these movies. Like, they carry so much power. How does he get these performances (laughs) from kids? It's fucking incredible. It's devastating. (laughs) Who's the kid that plays his son in this? He's so good. Saleh Karimai, who plays um, Rahim's son, Siavash, really gives a... Such a layered performance, really, really layered performance, and was just incredible to watch, especially in that scene where they are trying to trick the guy that is trying to offer him a job. Right. He has only a few lines in that scene, and it breaks me every time. That whole family structure is so interesting to think about when considering what Rahim has gotten himself 
into, right? He's staying with his sister and his brother-in-law with their kids and also his child that he has had with a woman that he's divorced from. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's just so many ways of entry there, right? Like, you can have a lot of different characters with different types of relationships to Raheem, especially with him being gone for so long and coming back. Not everyone is on his side. And you see that as the movie goes on. Yeah. Oh, what a good movie, guys. That's a really fucking good movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this guy's not going to stop making movies. I'm very happy. Let's just yeah. give him more money. I'm glad that Amazon picked this up, but I'm really sort of fucking disappointed on how they sold this movie because this was a big year for foreign language cinemas to get uh, like foreign language movies to get their play on the oscar stage yeah. amazon really like fumbled their bag this year because there are were, were a lot of good foreign language movies but i would consider a hero up there with those top contenders this year better than at least two of the nominees and you'll have to guess which ones i mean <laughs> <laughs> Amazon, fight for your movies. You pay so much money for your movies. (laughs) Fight for them. What a filmography. He's only 49. Well, he's younger than I thought. What? Wow. (laughs) He's wise. And I think it is a really good rate of delivering movies. Like one every three years. That's that's a really good rate of releasing, especially considering how intricate Farhadi's plots are. And he's generally kept the quality pretty okay. <laughs> yeah. Is this in comparison to Joel and Ethan? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like a lot of directors have like you know ups and downs, but I think Hardy is more consistent aside from the past, which you we know I don't care for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to admit that I regret a little bit that that was my deep cut pick. It's a movie that hasn't really stuck with me. Is it time to re-deep cut? Oh, <laughs> I would be down. I would talk about The Salesman. I am very excited to see The a Salesman. Yeah, Wilson, that's the one that you really got to watch. Yeah. It will demolish your spirit. <laughs> it's definitely the one that's maybe closest to a separation. A separation. I yeah. agree. Great. That is a hero. Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Cut. Please rate and review because that helps us keep making the show. Be sure to subscribe to us where you listen to podcasts so you'll know when our next episode drops. Keep up with Deep Cut on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd at Deep Cut Pod. Join us to talk about movies on our Discord server, to which you'll find a link in the description. Thank you to Justina Yam for our beautiful artwork. I'm Wilson. I'm Ben. I'm Eli. Take care, and we're looking forward to talking about more movies with you next time. Bye. We should look into Artie's emails. <laughs> then. <laughs> Maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do a but what about her emails joke. What about his emails? <laughs> no, I'm talking about, it's a joke because the past is all about emails. Oh. <laughs> a detail I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> the only detail I remember. Because <laughs> of how much I hated it. Oh my god, the past.